All right, y'all, it's time to broadcast some health, freedom, and healing liberty. If I can speak, I'll, I'll get there. But this is warm-up. It's just warm-up. Don't worry. <laughs> we got a lot to do today, including Joe Flynn, uh, youngest sibling of General Michael Flynn. We're going to talk about uh, a pretty profound project called the American Project and what that means for the coming election and beyond. Also, uh, Dr. Alex Orton is going to join us in hour two. And he is carrying on in the tradition of Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, the Gonzalez Protocol. And you know, for those of you who have been with me for years and years and years, Dr. Gonzalez, one of my dearest friends in this lifetime who has left this place, unfortunately, uh, to go to a, a better place. Uh, but too soon, he was curing cancer right, left, and center, including the most devastating cancers like pancreatic cancer. He would say he wasn't curing it. The body was doing it. But he was providing that which the body needed to overcome it. And there are good doctors out there trying to do the same and better on an ongoing basis. But first and foremost, normalization of dishonesty in medical science. Has it ever been more dishonest than in the era of COVID and COVID crazy? We got a story about kids and infants coming up and just pure lies parading as science. Protect your kids from those dangerous jabs, y'all. We got a lot to do on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Bring your friends on over, robertscottbell.com slash listen and sh share the good news too. The Robert Scott Bell Show starts now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Why? Why do we keep growing as a show despite all the censorship, deplatforming, and limitations on the speech that happens here? The place for health, freedom, and healing liberty. Why do we see more and more medical professionals coming on board and going, yeah, Robert, you've been right all those years. And it's not me patting myself on the back. It's just an acknowledgement that I didn't have any economic conflicts of interest or other things that would kind of coerce me into doing something that I felt was, well, impropriety would be a one, one word. But when it comes to the science and medicine and the corruption of both, Although it's not new, if you've been with me for years and years on this show, many through the COVID crazy couple of years plus that we've been through are now acknowledging and waking up to a horrific reality that they were either completely blinded to because of Flexner Report, uh, let's say programming in medical school to look at every disease, every symptom, every emotion as evidence of a deficiency of some FDA-approved synthetic toxic poison that could be put in pill form or now injected and beyond even the vaccination paradigm where many doctors are looking back and going, were we lied to about that too? The mRNA injections, altering DNA protein synthesis in a way that God never intended clearly. And we look at the scientific research, the literature, and I've been scouring that for decades just to review things that made no sense to validate, invalidate things that I thought were all of the things that I think a good scientist should do, researchers should do in addition to doing their own investigation. If you're reading the peer-reviewed medical literature, you find out that a lot of it is sham and scam, and a lot of it is manipulated due to heavy economic influences or even globalist agendas like the World Economic Forum and all of their intention to weaken and destroy the United States of America and its ability to function as an independent economy, much less an economy that it would interact freely with the world for the benefit of its people. Freedom is something that I don't 
take for granted, but I think many people have woken up in the last two and a half years to realize how not free they are based on the allowance of government to encroach where it doesn't belong if, if there's an emergency. And remember, an emergency, um, you know, it, it connotes this, maybe there's an escape clause in the Constitution, right? The Constitution written not to restrict the people, but to restrict government. And if there's an emergency, suddenly it's like discard this constitution. It's meaningless. It's too dangerous to follow and, and be restricted by it. We have got to throw all caution to the wind and lock you down, shut you down, mask you, limit your freedom economically and otherwise travel as well, unless you subject yourself to experimental injection by mRNA alteration of your DNA. The latest article from Brownstone Institute, it's a good one, from Thorstein Siglogson. Interesting name. Just came out. It's titled, The Normalization of Dishonesty in Medical Science. Now, we've seen it as a pretty much a normal part of medical science for a long time before COVID, but it's becoming more and more apparent to many more physicians and scientists. There was a published piece just recently, this week, in fact, on the benefits of infants from maternal vaccination, I think specifically for COVID jabs, which, you know, interestingly enough, whatever you feel about vaccination prior to COVID jabs, COVID jabs are not via mRNA technology, actually the same thing as previous generation antigen instigating antibody vaccinations. They're not the same thing. But in this June 22nd publication, the introduction, the authors state, infants younger than six months of age are at high risk for complications of coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19. And so the author of this particular article checked the source to see what was the support for that statement. And it says nothing about the risk of hospitalization. All it says is a generalized number of hospitalizations increasing in infants and everybody per 100,000 over the time of an Omicron surge, which it went up everywhere and everybody a little bit. But it had nothing, in fact, really to do directly with what they call Omicron or coronavirus infection of any kind. Quote, high risk for complications in the general population, the probability of hospitalization following a COVID infection, according to the CDC in October 2021, was around 5%. This means one in every 20 people infected was admitted to the hospital. But then the Omicron thing hit, right? And the number went down by 50 to 70%. Because whatever you believe that to be, it was not harming people. It was pretty much a genuine, what we call immune enhancement event where everybody's exposed and then you have natural immunity, something they want to deny that exists, even though Fauci himself acknowledged it with flu and other things decades prior. Suddenly, if you claim natural immunity for anything, you are a conspiracy theorist. It's like, what the heck is going on? Critical thinking? It means conspiracy theory? Oh, yeah, I guess it does. And so if we look at kids in reality, the risk of death is one 330th of the oldest age group. Infants, young people, 18 and, and under, the least risk of any group, no doubt about it. That's not even controversial. But according to the authors of that study, they said the infants are at high risk for complications of coronavirus disease 2019, contrary to all the evidence. The numbers related to the actual scientific findings about COVID-19 for infants is like they're not at risk. There's never been an emergency for infants. There still isn't an emergency for infants. 
And what we should be concerned about is injecting mothers-to-be with COVID-19 mRNA injections resulting in miscarriages at levels never seen before. In fact, for those that are so upset about Roe versus Wade being overturned, all you need to do is go get a COVID jab if you want to terminate a pregnancy. And I'm not advocating it. You know me. We're about life here and protecting life. But if you're so concerned that you can't get one of those procedures, just get the mRNA shot. You might do yourself in too along the way with the damage that occurs, especially in younger people, to the vascular system, the nervous system, every system. In Scandinavian countries, they don't recommend this shot for under 12 years of age. Denmark did, and now they regret it because of spikes and complications during pregnancy, infant mortality, and stillbirths. Staggering numbers, like never before seen. So if we know that, and you know that, and I know that, how is it possible they found 40 medical doctors and PhDs in a peer-reviewed article to put forth a claim that is obviously false with sources that don't support their conclusion? Is it bias? Is it economic conflicts of interest? Do they have something on these people? I mean, I ask the question, are you willing to sell out a child for money? Apparently there are people, and I would call that, if not evil, certainly evil incarnate in terms of the destruction of the most vulnerable among us, the innocent among us, the kids. How is it possible that they have institutionalized deception in medical science to this level where they're willing to sacrifice children? Well, I would just point you to this as a consideration. Who is it that performs abortions? Medical doctors. Who is it that engaged in experimentation on human beings who were considered deplorables, undesirables in World War II Nazi Germany? It was doctors. And now many of the doctors are waking up to realize not only the limitations of their profession, yes, there's a place for doctors in society, but as the only authority when it comes to COVID, that's a great danger that we placed ourselves in. And that is why I encourage you to meet together, all doctors and non-doctors alike, as I have been meeting almost weekly for the last two years with physicians that are medical, osteopathic, chiropractic, naturopathic, herbal, homeopathic like me, and exchange our experiences, our knowledge, fill in the gaps where we don't know something and somebody else does and come together with a spirit of collegiality and support one another and recognize as many of the doctors that I'm interacting with, looking at things like this and calling it out for the fraud that it is. And the great danger moving forward is to recognize that if you grant a monopoly to any industry, that industry will corrupt whatever integrity it may have had at the beginning of that monopoly limit scientific inquiry and endeavor except to continue to grow their monopoly. And if something comes along that shows, ooh, that would not be good for us, well, squash it. And if any doctor steps out of the line and says, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin can actually save people's lives, go after them, threaten their license, et cetera. And we've got to develop a system that goes beyond the limitations of monopoly medical practice acts to bring freedom back into the healing arts and to welcome all healers to come and work together for the benefit of those who are genuinely in need. And do not, do not depart from your critical thinking skills and your connection to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, divine spirit, however that speaks to you. When you are guided, even from an expert, 
an authority or authoritarian within government, medicine, or media that tells you you should get an, a DNA-altering injection and you something in your gut, God is saying, don't do it. Who are you going to listen to? The external false authority or the direct communication from the divine? And that's how we start today's Robert Scott Bell Show. As we move into the American Project right now, I'd like to welcome for the first time to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Joe Flynn. You might know him as uh, elder brother, General Michael Flynn, and all the good work they're doing. Powering the people save America, the American Project. Joe Flynn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am actually the younger, wiser, and far better looking <laughs> brother. Well, who am I to dispute things like that? I'm not going to get in between you two for sure. But, no, uh, Mike is the. Uh, I'm actually the youngest of nine children, and Michael is the middle child. So all right, so he's elder to you, but not the eldest. No, he's not the eldest. That's correct. he'll be happy to know that. In case he didn't, <laughs> he is getting older though. Yes, he's getting older, as we all are. Well, welcome, Joe, to the show. And of course, a big part of our discussion uh, on this show is about health and healing, but also the body politic. I believe in political healing as well, and yet not in uh, kowtowing to criminals in that way. Uh, you know, we've got to call out the activity that has, has resulted in a lot of the destruction of the freedoms of Americans and the abnormal cancerous growth of a, of, of, of a country that was once limited by a great constitution that seems to be unlimited in ongoing perpetual states of emergency. Agreed. I, I, I want to make a couple of comments. I spent a career, a better part of the last 20 years, in the healthcare industry, actually. I was more from the IT services side. I ran two companies. They both provided large-scale IT projects for big health systems, very large health systems across the United States. Um, places like Sutter Health in California, Trinity uh, out of Detroit, some of the biggest you know hospital chains in the country. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was really disappointing to me as an American citizen and as a and as a, somebody who was involved in healthcare. I was sort of winding my way out of it when COVID came because we had sold the company. I took one company public and I sold the other one mm -hmm. to a private equity group. And I kind of finished up right before COVID hit. And it was, it was overwhelming to me how much the healthcare industry turned on the American people mm -hmm. during the COVID um, yeah. scam that took place. Uh, I, I was, uh, you know, many of the people that were my clients that were my friends, when I saw their reaction to treating patients, uh, when I saw that sort of, you know, that idea that we're not going to treat patients, we're not going to treat them at all, that we're going to tell them to go home. We're going to, people are going to come in sick with something uh, and we're going to tell them not to take, met, not to take vitamins, take zinc, take vitamin B, try alternative things like longstanding things like uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and so forth. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say any of that. We're going to send them home until they can't breathe. And then when they come in, we're going to shove a ventilator down their throat and kill them. Yeah, after poisoning them with remdesivir to destroy their kidneys. After poisoning them oh. with remdesivir. Again, yeah. I saw this happen, and I saw many of the people that I considered my friends, mm -hmm. clients, people who, you know, who I worked with for 20 years. Um, it was it was really an eye-opener for me. And, and uh, I think for a lot of people, especially those of us who've been in and out of the healthcare industry, Joe, I think the COVID crisis has really revealed who, who people really are. Yeah. We, we thought they were something else, and then we found out 
they were definitely authoritarians or they would bow to authoritarianism yeah. and in many cases not honor if you have a Hippocratic oath among the medical professionals. I mean, we've certainly highlighted and spotlighted a lot of the great docs that have stood up and stepped out and spoke out oh, yeah. to their to the threat of their career, etc. And 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 yet so many people that are even not in the industry that just began to cower in fear and that looked at any of us who questioned masking or experimental yeah. injections and all of these things uh, or, or worshiping together, you know, yeah. in our houses of worship, that yeah. we were somehow made the enemy and we were somehow the, the danger. Yet the danger, of course, has always been to isolate people and to stop them from communicating so that any message that could be sent down from people that might not genuinely have our best interest at heart, even though they claim it, that we would be vulnerable to the powers of those suggestions and that those that, that stood up for freedom in the midst of the, the big scary were then made the villains as opposed to the heroes, as I believe our founders would perceive it. You would never lay down to government when it says you can't worship, for instance. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it is amazing, the transformation. Now, one of the things that has happened over the course of the last five, six years is that and, and I think the, the medical industry was the last one, but we've seen an erosion of trust that the American people has has in institutions that we took for granted were trustworthy institutions, like our election system, like the Department of Justice, like the FBI, like universities, like the military, okay? Now we have the medical industry, which is something people needed to, to have faith in, needed to have, you know, that, that level of, of, of comfort in that has completely disappeared now with COVID. So we've seen an erosion of the confidence that average citizens have in institutions as Americans in particular that we took for, we took for granted as always be, being uh, for the service of the people. Mm -hmm. I, I lived in third world countries, uh, the earlier part of my career, I lived in Mexico City, for two years, I lived in Buenos Aires, I lived in Colombia, lived in Brazil. And some of them were a little more um, less third world than others, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was funny, my friends in those countries would, would, would always say I was naive about Americans are so naive, Americans are so trustworthy of their government, trustworthy mm -hmm. of their institutions. Yeah. Yeah. In those countries, they never had any trust in any of the institutions, they always knew the police were on the take or mm -hmm. elections were stolen or, you know, um, so uh, were we, were we not our institutions, not on the take or were they, and were we naive? I, I tend to think we were a bit naive. We felt we like we were, we were above and beyond, you know, whether it be an egocentric perspective, but our founders warned us not to rely or trust on the goodness of men going into government because the constitution was written but yeah. to bind whoever went in good, bad, or ugly with the chains of the constitution to limit their behavior and activity so that they couldn't violate the fundamental freedoms that were ours and acknowledged to be ours by virtue of our very creation from a creator, as opposed to yeah. today, many Americans treat the government as God through government indoctrination centers. And they believe their rights come from government. Yeah. I think what we're dealing with is a post post world war II reality that the, that the federal government of the United States, which actually started under Woodrow Wilson to really expand. But after the Second World War, the acceleration, and Eisenhower warned us of, of, the, of this military-industrial complex. But, but beyond the military-industrial complex, the sort of acceleration and explosion of the, of the federal government in our lives, 
um, has really come home to roost, you know? And so the power that the federal bureaucracy has over our lives in, uh, into a, a, a large extent, the, the, um, the law enforcement, the justice department and the intelligence community, the power that those institutions and the expansion of government has, has, has in our lives right now has really come home to roost. And so now we're kind of living in this post post Trump world where the, the institutions of government are trying really hard to maintain their power over the people in a, in a, in a much more aggressive way than even before, even, even the Patriot. Act right. Yeah. No, they, they've taken it to another level. They've taken um, it to another level. I, I've just had a quote just jump into my Facebook feed where they've temporarily at least banned us uh, from broadcasting live for something that they called hate speech, which wasn't yeah. <laughs> clearly. Um, and it, and uh, it was 10 years ago. We're 2022, right? So 2012, that was Obamacare. Right? Um, and it was two years into it. it says people want to know what they can do about forced pharmaceutical medical participation under Obamacare. The most powerful weapon you have is your consent. You can cry all you want, but until you withdraw it, they will continue to use it against you. Now, many people believe that they can't withdraw consent or behave differently under the auspices of a government that threatens them with loss of life, liberty, or property simply for believing and acting as if they are free. Right now, we have devolved into you know a, a system of, of permission, right? It's a permission slip society. Even a license for a doctor, I believe, is a mistake because it restricted the innovation that would occur in a free, uh, let's say, exchange of ideas, debate, discussion within the medical and non-medical fields, engaging in uh, healing practices in a free market as opposed to a restricted market that isolated the only choice we have if we want to get well from a disease is a drug or an injection of some kind, despite the fact that in the Bible it talks about all the medicines of creation that are there for us that preceded this medical monopoly. And this is not me bashing medicine or doctors. It's just an acknowledgement of a corruption, like power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You give them the status of monopoly. What do you think is going to happen? And we're living in it right now. Yeah, we sure are. And, and, and it starts with, again, one of the reasons why we created the America project is that the, the main driver and, so people understand. I'm the president of the America Project. I'm a I'm a former healthcare IT executive. I ran two public company, one public company, and one company I sold to a private equity group. So I've been an entrepreneur, business entrepreneur, uh, most of my life. Prior to getting into healthcare, I was in the international um, uh, business. I lived overseas. I lived particularly in Latin America. I speak Spanish fluently, and I'm married to a woman from South America. So. What happened um, and, and what, what happened after November? Actually, since Donald Trump was elected, I think, is what we, re we really, you know, the, under, the, the ugly underbelly of corruption in the federal system has been, you know, split wide open. Um, my family went through that in particular with what they did in going after General Flynn for the, meal, for the mere purpose of, of supporting and helping Donald Trump get elected. Um, after serving his country for 33 years. And then they made up all kinds of lies about, you know, him being a Russian agent, which of course turned out to be nonsense. So I started to see this early on. I started, that really woke me up. I was not awake to this prior. I was making money and building companies and raising kids like a lot of us. <laughs> but when they went after you, when they go after your family, particularly when they go after somebody as high level as general Flynn, you realize there's something very dangerous afoot. 
And so I got activated. And once we got General Flynn through his ordeal, we got very involved in the election integrity movement right after. In fact, we were working very closely with President Trump and his team um, between the uh, election and uh, the installation of Joe Biden. And what we did realize is that there's a, there's a continuum of corruption that exists in this country that goes from the, leg- from the federal bureaucracy to the legislators mm-hmm. to the court system. And it's a really, really deep, deep issue, deep problem when you have your courts also not wanting to listen to or, sh- or not wanting to listen to constitutional issues like, for example, does this does a state, does one state attorney general have the right to sue other states because he feels his people's vote has been disenfranchised by their corruption, which happened mm-hmm. in the case with um, with the attorney general from Texas, Mr. Paxton. All of that was thrown out in that in that period of time that we tried to rush to get information out about the stolen elections. We didn't have enough time. And frankly, we were ununit, we were disunified, or there was a lot of disunity at that time. So we created the America Project because a lot of people after January 6th, especially on our side, got scared and ran away. And oh my God, they're gonna come after my livelihood. They started deplatforming people. Mm-hmm. And we said, myself, my brother, and a, a great patriot by the name of Patrick Byrne, you might know Dr. Patrick Byrne, um, set up the America Project. We set up the America Project to unify grassroots organizations and freedom-loving organizations across multiple spectrums, across the inte- election integrity area, across the parental rights area, the border security area, and medical freedom. And, and we, and we um, while it's about 80% of our early efforts were on election integrity, particularly as it related to supporting audits, the Maricopa County audit, um, we soon saw that all of these things are sort of tied together. And so we've created the America Project. And in a short period of time, we've done a lot of work. We've done an enormous amount of work, which I'd be happy to talk a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And what we were trying to do is to try to create a model we weren't really weren't trying to reinvent the wheel because the left has this model very well, uh, very well established through George Soros and the, and the Arabella advisors group. So George Soros has a group called Arabella advisors that manages three or four funds that provide resources and dollars and training to look now. I mean, they've been around 30, 40 years. So now they're providing these resources to hundreds maybe even thousands of left-wing 501c3s and 501c4s that are that have their niches in different things like Black Lives Matter or Catholic Charities or or other groups that that are up to up to kind of nefarious no good things and I hate to say use Catholic Charities they're not the only uh, uh, religious Christian uh, religious organization that is up to is that up that is up to no good plenty of Protestant organizations are as well and I say that as a devout Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. breaks my heart actually. But what my point is, is that we were trying to create a similar model. We are creating a similar model because what's the point? They do it very well. What the left does very well, they don't have the numbers, but they have the money and they are in lockstep with each other. There's not a lot of infighting in the left, on the left. Our side has the money, doesn't really spend it towards. Uh, they, they spend it towards building businesses primarily, not towards necessarily 
helping prop up the institutions that will save the country. But the other problem with people on our side is there's a lot of infighting, tremendous amount of infighting um, and immaturity. And I think that hmm. we're going through a process we're going to see because our freedoms are at grave risk now. We're, yeah. we're I, I like to use the analogy that we're in the we're in the, you know, like a basketball analogy. We've got 15 seconds left in overtime and we're down six points. Yeah. We, have a, we have a shot at it, meaning if we hit two three-pointers in that period of time, we can at least be tied to have the opportunity to win. Um, but we're in grave danger right now. And so we've ramped up the activity of the America Project uh, in, in many ways. And so, you know, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of money. And, um, you know, it's a constant battle. Joe, you talked about, uh, the, the, well, the, the term immaturity, and I think that's an important one. I brought that up from a politically immature perspective. We talked a little bit about the naivete of Americans perceiving yeah. that government here was different than everywhere else. You know, we would hear stories of, remember, Jimmy Carter going to third world countries to monitor their elections. And now yeah. we're, we're, we're in the same scenario. Like, we need somebody to monitor ours. What's going on here? This is kind of messed up. But also um, the immaturity, perhaps, politically of understanding what really ails us. As a, you know, I talk about fundamentally, uh, constitutionally as well, that it isn't only about, quote unquote, sending good people to Washington. As we've said, over time, we can argue there have been some good people that were sent to Washington and many of them became corrupted. Others found that they had no ability to make a change and just left or just continued to try to do something uh, and, and could, could accomplish little or nothing. You know, I, I like in the efforts of uh, uh, Dr. Ron Paul over the years, watching him as a statesman, someone that really understood the foundations of the country, the limitations on government that were placed by the constitution and the loss of that acknowledgement understanding. And that we, we really, could be tilting at windmills if we keep thinking the only thing we have to do is put good people in office. If those people don't understand how we have become corrupted, how this has happened over decades, if not centuries. I have a good friend of mine, Jonathan Emord. Uh, he wrote a book recently called The Authoritarians. Um, and this is their assault on individual liberty, the Constitution, and free enterprise from the 19th century to the present. And it talks about the progressive era movement from the 19th century to today and how it slowly eroded the concept of a limited government, a government that had a separation of powers, checks and balances, all of these things that resulted in basically a bureaucratic oligarchy operating like a monarchy, you know, like we have king, a queen, an emperor, that it's ruled by whoever is in power and control of the executive branch. And even that, the executive branch person like a Biden has no earthly idea what's actually happening. He's just doing what people are telling him. But you have this entity, this cancerous entity that runs no matter who's in pr the presidency. And I thought one day if we have a litmus to say we won would be when we care very little for who is actually the president because they would have so limited, such limited authority under the Constitution. They couldn't do the damage that a president can do today. You, you follow what I'm saying? Of course. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, you know, us being, you know, sending election observers to other countries. We actually... Uh, the guy who runs our election integrity efforts in, and we have this very big program in nine states where we're trying to train poll watchers and precinct volunteers and getting people to get um, knock on doors and get out the vote to low propensity voters because one of the plagues we have in this country is a, a, an extremely low voter turnout uh, in, in most states, in most, in most states across the country. So those are two big issues. But this particular gentleman actually was an observer of, of elections around the world for the last 30 years in multiple countries 
um, all over the world. And he came back uh, and worked for the Trump administration for a few years, particularly doing that for USAID, which was the which is a government entity that kind of observes elections overseas. And uh, his uh, this is a nonpartisan kind of guy. He's not a hardcore uh, Republican or Democrat. He said that the his experience was that the elections in Bangladesh and the elections in Cambodia were far more secure and far more hmm. had far more in, uh, integrity than the 2020 election. And this is an this is a world expert. You look at his CV, his bio, and you're like, there's impeccable credentials. Hmm. So we have a problem there, and and the and the problem and that situation grew up under our nose without anybody paying attention, without anybody really paying attention to it. So that's one major issue, you know, where we where we're going with this. I think one of the issues that, that that we have, and you well said it, is we actually are at a situation where we already have an authoritarian situation. We already have an authoritarian government because not just because the Democrats are authoritarian, the new Democratic Party is authoritarian in its nature and wants mm-hmm. to take away our freedoms and give more power, much more power to the state. Than, uh, than even the you know the Republicans under the Patriot Act under Bush, the federal bureaucracy runs the country, and the federal bureaucracy in Washington D.C. is made up primarily of leftists, primarily of leftists. There's very mm-hmm. few and and less and less so in leadership that are not you know left you know committed leftists. Okay, so to turn that tide is going to require. Not a Donald Trump winning an election in 2016 and opening everybody's eyes and going, oh, wow, there is a swamp. Let's drain the swamp. It, it, it requires actually draining the swamp. And what that means is essentially dismantling the, author, the authoritarian administrative state mm-hmm. and literally carving up Washington, D.C. and splintering those agencies and those government organizations or those government institutions throughout the country. Yeah. So it's much more representative of, of a constitutional republic than a city like, you know, ancient Greece, like Athens, that has become, you know, incorrigibly corrupt. Does that right. make sense? Oh, absolutely it does. And, uh, you know, I, I think about the uh, agencies that we're dealing with, the alphabet letter agencies like FDA, and that's been a, yeah. a thorn in uh, America's side, but yet the vast majority of Americans perhaps still believe the FDA is trying to protect them from dangerous food and drugs, et cetera, when for decades and decades and decades now, they have been responsible for approving things that result numerically wise as the third leading cause of death, resulting in hundreds of thousands of Americans dead each year. And it makes whatever they claim COVID is look like, you know, a one-off little uh, pinprick to the, to the, to the finger. And yet that institution has been institutionalized as something that can't be uh, challenged. It's sacrosanct, like the CDC in establishing policies on public health, for which it has failed miserably following the guidance or guidelines from Anthony Fauci, a guy who speaks out of I don't know how many mouths he has, but changes on a daily basis. So we look at, again, all of the institutions that were revealed, revered, I'm sorry, revered, are revealed to be corrupt and engaged in removing the freedom of the people and and yeah. again in, in replacing it with an authoritarian regime via the oligarchy as you described so well so we look at how do we uh, uh 
you know, challenge the American electorate even to be more mature about it's more than just voting folks. <laughs> you know, it's more than just getting the right people in the institutions that supersede and, and, you know, people come and go in elections that oligarchy remains. And that is devastating to the cause of Liberty in the past, present and moving into the future. I, I agree. I, I, you know, it sounds hopeless, but I, I think the, the biggest asset that we have is the people. We do have the numbers. I'm, I'm convinced that we have the numbers nationwide and we're getting more and we're getting more and more in particular from minority communities mm -hmm. who are absolutely fed up and, and running away from from this, you know, like sort of the democratic plantation, as they like to say. That's that's great. And that's important. But what needs to happen is is a transformation. I don't we're not in a position where where we can have a third party that's going to be effective. A third party will only result in splitting the ticket and, and electing Bill Clinton like it did when Ross Perot ran. Ross ran a good campaign, but he he got Bill Clinton elected. I mean, that's that's the reality. So we, we can't go down that direction. What we need to do is we need to look at the Republican Party and we need to stop using the word conservative. We need to start thinking about freedom, you know, freedom loving Indiv individuals in this country that need to figure out how they're going to play a role in in two things one transforming the republican party from a establishment conservative party to a freedom loving party for working americans working class americans trump started this process trump has turned the tide he turned the republican party from the country club wine white wine swilling you know past that they had and now the republican party because largely because of donald trump has turned into more of a working worker or working class party whereas the democratic party has become the party of the coastal elites and smattered with um some some minorities that feel that for some reason they have to have this allegiance to a, a party that has done nothing but continue to have their 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 children live in terrible conditions in, in, in inner cities like Chicago, Baltimore, and the list goes on. So we're in this interesting time right now where there's a transformation going on. And what people need to do is they need to not give up because as soon as you give up, the authoritarians are going to come right in and seize power. And they're close to doing that as it is. So people need to work towards transforming the Republican Party to a, to a party of working class, freedom loving, constitutionally focused people that 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 expect government to work for them and not the other way around. That's going to take time. It's not it's not going to take just one Donald Trump four year cycle. You saw all the problems that Trump ran up against in the swamp. He had a hard time training that swamp and he became, quite frankly, a victim of it. Um, but this is going to take an effort over time. And so people need to be thinking about the long game here. And, if, and we do need to focus on winning the House and the Senate this year. But more importantly, we need to win the local elections, local mm -hmm. state legislators, uh, DAs, uh, House of Representatives, Senates, all those important positions at the local level, school boards, all of this needs to be transformed. And it's going to take time mm -hmm. and it's going to take people getting activated, absolutely yeah. activated towards doing this. Because like, like I said, you know, one of your Listeners just said, not a fan of Trump warp speed. Listen, Trump was not perfect. He made a lot of mistakes. He started something. He started something. He started a movement. But we need to kind of take it to the next level. I give him credit for that. 
Certainly, I'm a critic of some of the other things that he did, particularly the handling of, of the, the pandemic. I think he could have not pushed uh, the vaccines as much as he did. And you notice he doesn't even talk about it anymore. Uh, somebody got into his ear and said, stop talking about the vaccine. And he did. Oh, he's clearly, he, he was getting booed when he mentioned it in, in was, talks recently. He's was. like, you got to get plugged back in to realize that uh, it's it, that is a disaster, unfortunately. But uh, you talk about legacy and uh, what, he's only one man. It's important yeah. to understand he's only one man and he's a flawed person. No one's perfect. My mother used to say the most perfect person that ever lived was so popular that we nailed him to a cross. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's important to understand this is mm -hmm. not, this is not a Messiah coming to save us politically. Right. This no political savior. It's important. This is hard work. Yeah. Really hard work. And Joe, you mentioned, and by the way, Joe Flynn is with us a couple of more minutes and, and I know he's got to run, but they've got, uh, americaproject.com. We've have it linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Here it is, americaproject.com. Uh, his brother, uh, General Michael Flynn, as well. And they also have another um, website, decertifyfraud.com, decertifyfraud.com, uh, talking about uh, stopping the destruction of the ballots that may happen in September that would end any potential for an evidentiary hearing of any kind about uh, election fraud, et cetera. And then we end up maybe ha having the same thing happen again in the next election cycles. And, and Joe Flynn, you also mentioned about on the local level. I agree. That's where we have the biggest impact. But if we elect people, Republican or otherwise, that believe that the federal government is in all cases superior to the states, then we're in the same bind because they come in and then they talk a good game of freedom and then they look to the federal government to validate or invalidate whether they're right or wrong or dictate to the states what they should or shouldn't do, can or can't do. And, you know, we saw, we've seen some little course correction here and there, but by and large, the, 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 the corruption that I've seen at the federal level exists in even the most puritanical of states. It's like, it's, it's, it's everywhere now. And I think it, I agree that people are waking up to it at the more local level and saying, I'm going to engage, I'm going to run for school board, for instance, because of all the hor horrific indoctrination that is occurring about critical race theory. But even before critical race theory, they were teaching things in these kids' heads that just were all about the glory of government, worshipful of government, individual rights, individual liberty, not discussed at all. In fact, hate America. That's a big part of you know growing up and learning nothing right. good has come out of this American experiment and freedom. And the question is, do we lose it before we can regain it in, a, in an in a, in integrity, I shall say? And I don't know. The jury's still out, but I know that your efforts with America Project are, are doing good works to try and bring a, a course correction, as many are trying right now. Yeah, and we're not naive to and we're not like, you know, naive to say, oh, uh, you know, we've got this all figured out <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. We've got multiple we have multiple fronts of this battle that we're fighting right now. But yeah. the key is we're fighting. Because once you, it's like, I'm looking at a, a poster from my great friend, Roger Stone, who left you, he signed, he says, you are not finished when you are defeated. You are only finished when you quit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and if we quit and just say, well, what can I do? What, what am I going to do? Well, here's the problem. I just, the, the primaries are taking place all over the country. The turnout is averaging about 18%. Okay. So if, if eight, if only 18%, of eligible voters vote in a primary, well, that says something about the indifference of, of people in this country. And we've got a terrible, terrible problem with indifference. We got to, that is a disease mm -hmm. that the American people need to be cured of. 
Indifference is a disease mm. the American people need to be cured of. Stop complaining about high gas prices. Stop complaining about your school boards. Get involved. That's the most important thing you can do. Well, and also recognize, and this comes back to the maturity discussion, that more government is not the solution. That no. that's what got us into this mess. Exactly. Uh, and and we need more freedom to solve exactly. or, or the, the you know the messes that government, if it doesn't outright create, it certainly facilitates and enshrines into perpetuity. Uh, so Joe Flynn, listen, I appreciate all your efforts and I, I really appreciate your willingness to discuss and engage in, in the area of where people don't, don't tend to go below the surface. If they go rah, rah, this is what we need to do. I take very, uh, let's say, uh, what we call a sober view as well as yeah. you do about yeah. the efforts we need to undertake and, and have been, and will continue to do so. And, uh, it, it's not over unless you quit. That's a, a great point as well. That's right. Well, yeah, I, I think it is important to be sober about this kind of stuff and, you know, it's it, it's one thing to rile everybody up, and I, I'm actually I'm hoping I'm pissing you off, <laughs> yeah. Because it, the more pissed off you're going to get, and maybe even insulted a little bit when I say, "Hey, get off your rear end and go do something," that's okay. If you're mad at me, I don't care, because if I can get you angry enough or get you motivated enough to yeah. go do something in your local community, then I've done my job. Get off your aspirin and do something. Uh, <laughs> Joe, uh, are there any events coming up that people can attend in addition to signing up over at the website? Yeah, we, have linked we're, up? We're, we participate in the uh, Reawaken America Tour, mm -hmm. uh, which is done by Clay Clark. He does it in multiple cities. We've had a great success with that. We've got one coming up July 7th through the 9th in Virginia Beach. Lots of great medical freedom speakers. Dr. McCullough, uh, Dr. Malone, uh, Simone Gold, a great friend of ours who's you know now going to go to prison for 60 days. Um, for all the, talk about, talk about, excuse my language, talk yeah. about bullshit that she's been through. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a great event. We talk about medical freedom. We talk about election integrity. We talk about the borders, all the issues ailing the country and provide solutions for people. Well, Joe Flynn, God bless you. And, uh, shout out to your, your, uh, brother and all Thank the you. good works he's doing. If we can do anything more on this end, uh, just stop by or send a message on through. I appreciate what you're doing with, uh, the America Project, again, linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com, americaproject.com, and decertifyfraud.com. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. God bless. All right. You as well. That was Joe Flynn. Uh, again, a sobering discussion, but here's what I, you know, I noticed about that as I commented at the end of that interview is the recognition of uh, there's a depth, if you will, that goes beyond just voting, for instance, a recognition that we have been naive about what it takes to correct. It doesn't mean ignore certain aspects of things, but it's so much deeper than that. And I'm glad that I'm hearing that more, that maybe there will be different actions engaged in. And, and I won't say totally different. I mean, these are the things prescribed by the founders, you know, warned us to, you know, be vigilant, be diligent, but also as uh, Joe indicated, be willing to fight for freedom because if you're not, they know it and they'll take it away. Or you can argue you've given it away because you didn't stand up and defend it when you could. And that hour is perhaps getting late. But not so late that we're done with the show. We got a whole other hour broadcast healing uh, after a few more minutes here in the first hour. And we'll talk about healing with, uh, an, I say, following on the great work of Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. Al Alex um, is coming up in hour two. And he's now been certified in this if we talk about Alex Orton. And we've got links up in the show notes on that as well. We do have a bunch of upcoming events you should know about. Also, um, while we're out there in the summertime and you're getting buggy, <laughs> whether it be midges 
as Super Don says, around his place or other things? Is there a safe way to take care of those buggers that you don't want hanging around without poisoning you, your kids, your pets? And yes, yes, there is. And that is Orange Guard. OrangeGuard.com. And this is delimiting the distillate from the orange peel, certified for organic agriculture by Omri. And that means you could be growing organically and you could use this delimiting orange guard pesticide. It's gone through the ridiculous uh, levels of EPA to get certified as such, yet it's not toxic. As you saw a week ago, Monday, surprise everybody, including myself. You know what? When we come back from the break, I'm going to, I'm going to drink a pesticide. And I sprayed some of it in my mouth. No, it didn't taste great, but I was perfectly fine. Not harmed at all. So that's the safety we want from things that we're dealing with in the environment. So check out orangeguard.com. Uh, I think it's available in major like garden stores, retailers around the country in the United States as well. Orangeguard.com. All right. We've got upcoming events. He mentioned another event, seventh through ninth. I'll be in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana for the Red Pill Expo. I'll be speaking. I'll be emceeing. I hope to see you there in Indianapolis. If you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, you'll see it there. Uh, hopefully uh, y'all can join me. I sure. I think there's an online a way to watch it as well. But if you go to upcoming events, you can scroll down and click on it. There's the Red Pill Expo, and that's redpillexpo.org. But I think if you go.com, it'll get you there anyway. But we just click on the banner there. Uh, we've just added an event right after that, the following weekend, July 15th. I'll be emceeing an event uh, for Defending Utah, and it's only 12 bucks. Uh, there's Dr. Scott Bradley, Jordan and Cassidy Gunderson, some good folks from the Health Independence Alliance, likely some nurses that will be speaking on some of these health freedom issues, which is great. Love to see you at that event. That was just added. So if you want to be sure where we're going to be, also you want to sign up for email alerts. And you can do that by sending RSB by a text, the initials RSB to 22828. Send RSB to 22828 and you'll get response and you can immediately sign up for email alerts and also be alerted to the great questions of the day or uh, poll questions of the day from super don uh, as we talk about um, you know very some, sometimes very hot button issues that he'll ask questions about and he says he gives you a third option or more including not sure if you don't want to commit and we it's okay you don't have to commit a uh, shout out to our friends at nutritional frontiers as you scroll down here you'll go and you'll see that i'm going to be at an event august 6th in pittsburgh pennsylvania at the sheridan pittsburgh with Dr. Tracy Strout, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Len, and Jamie Dorley. And you can go to nutritionalfrontiers.com. Anything that they make or sell, you can get a discount with the code RSB15. RSB15 gets you 15% off, including on-sale items. Yes, you can double dip. Even if they protest, you can still do it. Jamie Dorley said so. And you can go to cbdnf.com to get their certified organic U.S.-grown hemp CBD products. Hemp Boost internally is amazing transdermal delivery of their uh, topical cream. It's transdermal delivered deep into the areas. It helps amazing. And I do the, uh, the liquid drops as well every day. And that's at cbdnf.com. Sign up for email alerts there from them and become a customer. Mention the Robert Scott Bell Show. They'll send you samples if you're in the United States. Take a picture with those samples and you send it into superdonaskrsb at gmail.com. And from time to time, we may draw your picture out of a hat, so to speak. And uh, you'll win a really nice goodie bag on top of the samples as well. So cbdnf.com. So thanks for that. And we'll hope to see you at the, the autism one conference in the desert in August, uh, as well as the uh, wellness parenting revolution in Orlando. We have as well, the health freedom expo outside of Chicago at Tinley park. And that's the middle of October uh, 15th and 16th 
of October. So check that out by going to Trinity Health Freedom Expo. Dot com. Now, as much talking as I do, there it is, 15th and 16th of October, as much talking as I do, you wonder, how do I even stay hydrated? Because I'm speaking, speaking, speaking. I'm like, uh, uh, I got to drink some water or some tea or something. Here's a question. Why are you dehydrated? Hmm. Now, I would say that should be a moment of duh. Why are you you're not drinking enough water? But there'll be eight other common reasons you might not have thought about. And this is a good article. And no, we're not big fans of the Cleveland Clinic overall, but it, you, know, you don't dismiss places that do bad things just because they do some bad things. You, got, you find something good. Believe it or not, they have, like they have some good uh, informative yeah. articles. That, they, this that, is not controversial, know. in other words. It's not going to maybe take away from their bottom line, so they're allowing this out, talking about dehydration. And I've said this, too, over the years. Even a 1% drop from total dehydration can result in 10% drops in metabolic efficiency. So it's a significant issue being even subtly dehydrated, not to the point where you're in a desert going, ah, water, water, water. And of course, we use the echo water here from Synergy Science because it's pure and it's, it's, it's got hydrogen in it to kick that water into bigger gear as an antioxidant. So if we go down and scroll down beyond that, let's go to some of the uh, insights to the things that add to the mix here of dehydration. And there's a bunch of them. One, you're not drinking enough. Okay, that's basic. Let's jump beyond that. How about electrolyte imbalances? That was the basis for like Gatorade. But there are uh, ways to get electrolytes in your system that don't involve taking artificially sweetened or colored, you know, uh, sports drinks. So look to those things. There's even organic versions of Gatorade. They're not called Gatorade. They're not even by Gatorade, but they exist in health food stores. Sports now. drinks. Sports drinks, yeah. Yes. Um, you're drinking it all at once. Like you're gulping the water down all at once. And I witnessed this. When I was in Israel uh, as a young man at one point, we were hiking through the desert, and it was hot, and, and it was summer, and it was like, oh, my gosh, you're dehydrating. One of our tour guides was with us from America, not an Israeli. He, he would have known better. He just chugged like almost a gallon of water. I witnessed him throwing it up as fast as he drank, he drank it in. Suddenly it went, heave because the idea of flooding yourself with that water all at once is not the best way to hydrate. So uh, keeping some water going through you from time to time is a good idea. If you are sweating too much and you might not know it in a hot Israeli desert, uh, you want to stay hydrated before you have a thirst mechanism saying you're thirsty you know don't wait for that because it already means you you've lost some enough water you're drinking diuretics like uh, caffeinated drinks sodas even some of these sports drinks with caffeine can cause you to urinate more so you're not retaining the water if you're dealing with illness your immune system is challenged that's another issue hydrating you talk about hydrating to detoxify as well to facilitate the liver and the kidneys to cleanse and move those things on out medications can cause you to become dehydrated diuretics specifically antacids laxatives blood pressure meds they can flush water from your system before you realize that you are dehydrated diabetes of course frequent urination associated with that and uh, so there's some basic concepts in this article i think are still sound and good even again not big fan of the cleveland clinic but hey man even a oh, broken stop. clock even a broken clock oh, is right. Stop it. What? What? Jeez. What? You got to keep throwing that disclaimer in there as if, like, what? I do like, because like, I betrayed like, my. Like people are going to be like, how dare you read the, something from the Cleveland Clinic? I know. They're going to go, Robert is like turncoat. You've he lost knows. all of your street cred because you quoted something from the Cleveland Clinic. Exactly. I'm a little concerned about this. Whatever. But look, there are times. We do not live in an echo chamber on this show. No, that is true. That is true. 
I refuse. <laughs> you would not let me even if I wanted to, which I don't. That's why we have a fun fun time here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, engaging in intellectual discussions, you know, passionate uh, defense of our belief system. Although many that, uh, well, don't believe in health, freedom, and healing liberty, they wouldn't show up on this show because they'd be tatered, shellacked by the intellectual integrity flowing from Super Don, especially uh, regarding this. There he is. And and Grandpa yeah. Super Don is not a grandpa again yet. Your uh, your daughter's still waiting, still, still waiting. waiting. I mean, her due date isn't until the fifth. So yeah. you know, we thought maybe it would happen sooner. It did with with uh, with with Riley, mm-hmm. but she's she's just hurry up and wait yeah. at this point. So that's what it is. Well, what are the Gonzalez Guardians? The Gonzalez Guardians are offering the Gonzalez of the Protocol. Yeah, the Gonzalez Guardians of the Galaxy. That is, it is a, a level of, of universality that needs to be applied, I believe, in medicine to help people heal, to prevent them from suffering from devastating, life-threatening diseases, whether you call it the Big C Cancer or other things. Nick Gonzalez, a friend, a hero. Thankfully, his wife, Mary Beth, uh, left uh, You know when Dr. Nick left. Uh, and she did not cower in fear, even though it's a traumatic uh, situation to lose a loved one, your spouse, but found a way to establish the Nicholas Gonzalez Foundation and eventually to bring about the training, the teaching so they wouldn't be lost, which is a great and worthy goal. And many doctors now have been trained and one in particular this hour or next hour, just about to, to start. Dr. Alex Orton is going to join us. We'll talk about where these Gonzalez guardians are coming from what's inspiring them and what you can access because of it and more on the Robert Scott Bell show, because the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Oh, thanks so much for being here, y'all. Appreciate uh, Joe Flynn joining us in hour one. Talk a little bit of political healing, how to get there. Uh, this hour, we're going to talk about uh, well, healing in a more, I guess you'd say, traditional sense when you think of healing, the physical body, perhaps emotional body. But I, I think healing is everything. It's not about disintegrating the body; it's reintegrating all of the bodies back in line. And uh, that that could be an energetic challenge. Certainly, it's a dietary challenge. Uh, but there's a lot involved that I had great discussions over the many years of the Robert Scott Bell show with my dearly departed friend, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. And we would talk about healing on all of those levels, economic, political, as well as physiological and emotional and spiritual, you name it. And Dr. Nick left us, but he leaves a great legacy. Thanks to Mary Beth Gonzalez and the foundation. She got started to train doctors to continue the tradition and to continue to bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. And we're learning more about uh, doctors that have been certified in this way that can access some of the brilliance that was, you know, on the, the lineage from Dr. William Donald Kelly onto Dr. Nick and onto others to continue this healing work. And I'm grateful uh, to Mary Beth, as I mentioned, and I hope that, uh, uh, you know, she'll continue. And I think I know she will as long as she's breathing to fulfill the legacy that is her husband, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. Joining us now, continuing that tradition of real healing, Dr. Alex Orton, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you. So happy to be here. All right, Alex. Uh, it's good to. Uh, I want to make sure your volume's up enough there, Super Don. Maybe you can pump it up a little bit. 
but good, good to have you on board. And you are linked up in the show notes at havenholistichealth.com, H-A-V-E-N, havenholistichealth.com. And uh, you'll have to give me some backstory of how you connected with Mary Beth and the Gonzalez Foundation. Yeah. Um, so I actually learned about Dr. Nick when I was a freshman at Naturopathic Medical School. And I learned about him about six months before he passed. It was kind of a strange, strange timing. Um, but when I started learning about his work, there were two main things that, that struck me right away. Number one, his results were phenomenal. And you know, a lot of people are treating uh, cancer alternatively and, and integratively. But um, I think besides Gerson with his, you know, book of 50 cases, there was nothing else that was comparable that I saw with the results that he would get, especially considering that it was completely alternative. It wasn't an integrative approach. Most other approaches are just kind of throwing tomatoes at the wall. Like let's try mistletoe, let's try laser, let's try saunas, let's try this, you know? Um, So the protocol had amazing results and it was very coherent and structured in a framework that made sense from top to bottom. So uh, that made sense. The The second piece that really struck me um, was the metabolic typing idea mm-hmm. because it's really easy, I think, in the alternative space to get caught on these trends and dogmas and and um, fads, you know, and, and you're really confronted with all those when you're in naturopathic medical school because you're trying to figure out up from down, left from right, what you want to do. It's not like conventional medicine where there's a pretty rigid path forward. There's some flexibility, I think, but, you know, really the the system works for the things that it does work for because it's so, you know, structured and rigid. But when you're in the holistic space, it's like the world is your oyster. There's a million things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things is diet and like, what's, what's the best food for people to eat? What's the best, you know, vitamins and minerals for people to take? And mm-hmm. the metabolic typing model was a way that made perfect sense of figuring out what diet was right for each person along a huge spectrum. So it made sense for all the different diets that work Mm -hmm. really well for some people, but don't work well for other people. And it's like, well, we don't have to say that one is bad or one is good. They all probably have a place. Um, So I, you know, that was my introduction. Um, Soon after Dr. Nick passed, I remember, you remember the old Dr. Gonzalez, it was like dr-gonzalez.com, the old website. Uh, Love that website. And there was a banner that was at the top that said, hey, we're trying to start a a training or an educational seminar. Please reach out if you're interested. I reached out. I started emailing back and forth with Mary Beth, told her about myself, eventually got on the phone with her. um, And that started like a five, six year relationship um, where I helped her, you know, I, I helped in the little ways that I could um, with different places where she was stuck in her search for kind of putting the pieces together. Mm -hmm. I did do research for her when I could. I was really kind of obsessive about trying to figure out, you know, all the different aspects of the protocol. And I think, you know, she, uh, I gained her trust. She trusted me. She trusted that I was really, um, you know, dedicated to like doing the protocol as it was designed and not doing something crazy and going off on, on like a limb. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was, I was really fortunate to be invited, um, onto the team that really do, did the brunt of the research to, 
put together the manuals to actually educate the next kind of generation of practitioners. So um, did a lot like, you know, a year and a half, I think of, of research and writing for the educational manuals and then lecturing at the, at the seminar. So it's, it's been a real joy to be part of it. Well, Dr. Alex Orton, I'm grateful for you being on that team and reaching out to Mary Beth all those years ago and, and uh, committing yourself and your integrity and all of the intelligence you bring to it to help navigate this moving forward. Uh, because with, uh, you know, with Dr. Nick not here, he, he left us with a lot of research and writings based on all that he had learned as well. And yet <clears throat> life, as we know, continues. And there are never going to be enough Dr. Nick Gonzalez's. As I said, there's never going to be enough homeopaths. There's never going to be, but you don't stop. You know, we try to reach those who are ready to, to hear about it, whether they're on a patient basis wanting the healing or seeking the healing, or whether they're a professional practitioner that wants to provide more efficient means by which they can help their patients to get well and stay well. And, you know, the brilliance of, of Dr. Nick, you also pointed out, was the individualization of treatment, which is the basis for all real healing. It's not a one size fits all. You know, we would talk uh, about a lot of these things and said, all right, where can we find common ground in everything? And we got, well, the food needs to be clean because nobody is deficient in toxic poisons. <laughs> you know, nobody has a pesticide deficiency on and on. It goes, it's like, it's, it seems like we had to go down to that level of obvious, but when it comes to these other diets, one diet that could save somebody's life who's suffering with cancer could kill somebody who doesn't have cancer. If that, if that's all they did, their body metabolically is not suited to it. And that's something that those that get behind one diet for all, uh, man, I, if it frustrates me, but then again, I have the homeopathic remedy Argentum nitricum when I'm frustrated. So I'm okay. <laughs> I can get through that. But the, yeah, the point is there's practicality, there's pragmatism in this. And it was the bottom line is like, what can I do to help you to get well? And that was Dr. Nick. He would go to the ends of the earth for his patients that sought him out. And, and as I said, this journey continues. We're here and we continue to do this. So um, are you working to reach out to more doctors or is it now we've established enough doctors and we're looking to now say, hey, patients out there that need help, come on in. Where is this at right now? Where is this journey? Yeah, we have about eight doctors that make up the Gonzalez Guardians that are part of the team that are treating patients that are interested in doing the protocol. Mm -hmm. um, so the way the process works is if a patient wants to apply to be, to be treated with the protocol, you go to the Gonzalez foundation website, you apply, it's the same application process that Dr. Gonzalez had in his, um, private practice. So, uh, you have to basically write a letter, include your lab work. You send it in, you end up having a conversation on the phone with one of the, the, um, members of the team. And they confirm whether you'd be a good fit for the protocol. And then you basically get access to a directory where you can choose which doctor you'd like to work with. Um, so right now, there's no planned um, uh, future educational seminar that's happening as of yet, because we want to make sure that we're keeping the quality really high of the care that we're providing. So we're just trying to get more patients mm -hmm. and 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 keep the, the protocol going and and, you know, um, working together as a team to make sure that we're crossing our T's, dotting our I's, quality is really high, people are getting progress, you know, making progress, et cetera. Um, so we've just started. I mean, I think the directory was opened last September. Mm -hmm. um, so we're having patients coming in. Um, all the doctors and the team are treating patients. I'm treating patients as well. 
Um, yep. So we're just trying to get the word out and let people know that it's actually here. It's happening. They have access to the, the protocol the same way that Dr. Nick uh, designed it. Um, it's been years in, in the making and a lot of people were patiently awaiting that. Um, but obviously there was like a five-year lag time, I think mm -hmm. at least um, maybe more since Dr. Gonzalez is passing and now that we've started it. So we're really just trying to let people know, yes, uh, we are doing the program. We've designed it exactly to Dr. Gonzalez's specifications as much as we could, you know, uh, understand through his clinical files, uh, interviews, um, case notes, et cetera. We went through all that information that we had, like he had like a storage unit full of files, you know, hard drives, computer hard drives, thousands and thousands of case files. Um, we had audio clippings because he recorded audio, recorded all of his um, sessions because he talked so fast mm -hmm. that he would record them so a patient could listen to them again. So we had some of those audio files. So we had a lot of information to put it together. So yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, as much the Gonzalez protocol as um, we could develop that Dr. Nick was practicing. So um, it is here and we um, hope to get more patients. Well, and, and are you also seeing folks in a clinical setting in person or is it you know a lot of times we hear only telemedicine is happening how best are people accessing this depending on where they are or where you are physically yeah different doctors have different approaches so we actually have doctors in um we have a doctor in turkey we have a doctor in jamaica um a doctor in mexico and then a few throughout the united states in different areas and each doctor kind of has their own model. Um, I am currently working virtually with the patients um, that I'm seeing. We started that model a couple of years ago when everything hit the fan. Um, and it's been, it's been fine for us. So I think both options in person, some, some clinics are kind of inpatient. You stay for a couple of weeks um, and then virtual like myself, kind of whatever works for you. I think we have options for you. Cool. Now, if you're up in the Chicagoland area, I know we'll be up there middle of October for the Health Freedom Expo at Tinley Park Convention Center. Oh, cool. Great to connect with you out there and uh, maybe do some outreach uh, for a community that would be very embracing of the health freedom that uh, Nick Gonzalez stood for as well. And uh, yeah, just as a, a thought, plant seed for the future, you know, to have you guys there as well. It's always good connecting with the Chicago population that actually supports medical freedom. Cause I think sometimes it feels like they're few and far between. Oh, so. I know that area like New York city, like these big you know, cities they've lost. If they have a mind, they've lost it when it comes to how does healing happen? It doesn't happen through centralized and large bureaucracies that dictate to doctors what to do, even though they've never seen a patient uh, as well. I mean, the freedom that we would, would desire in healing is also the freedom of the healer to uh, discuss, debate, engage, and, and, uh, you know, investigate, and then come out with ways to improve even protocols that have been successful because each person that, that presents has something unique about them that we might need to be present for to go, Ooh, there's a little tweak there that is unique to you. We want to respond to that. Again, that's what, what was great about Dr. Nick Gonzalez. I mean, he established something that was so refined already that he could apply it almost across the board anybody that came to see them with through the metabolic typing. And I think on the uh, website now, if I remember, Mary Beth had told me, and we mentioned this before, that you can take the, the metabolic type test uh, that Dr. Gonzalez put out so that people can learn even for home use, their own 
needs diets because it could be different within their own family you're like we're all eating the same thing how come one sick i'm not sick you know vice versa you can learn a lot through that method as well yes yeah that questionnaire was based on dr gonzalez and dr kelly's questions uh both from the kelly original kelly questionnaire and gonzalez's clinical questions that he would ask patients in office that he found were most pertinent and relevant um so yeah it's it's a great starting place i will encourage anyone who's really serious about doing the protocol to actually reach out to us um, because there are nuances, clinical nuances, and you know, of course the supplements and everything that is best done with uh, a practitioner. But yeah, it's great to have that resource in a starting place to kind of see generally where you fall on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So are there any uh, conferences that any of the Gonzalez guardians are speaking at? Uh, coming up that uh, other doctors that listen to us in this audience would want to attend? Uh, Dr. Tony Jimenez is one of the Gonzalez guardians. Uh, he runs hope for cancer down in Cancun and Tijuana. And that mm -hmm. dude is like all over the world. I mean, he, yeah. like every week he's at a different conference, so he's all over the place and he's talking um, a lot about the Gonzalez protocol. I think more and more at the mm -hmm. seminars that he's attending. And then Mary Beth and I are going to be at a, conference in california let me just figure out the name of it here sure it's called the uh cancer control society yeah usually and that isn't that over labor day typically correct yep yeah. it's over labor day and i believe that's in san diego okay. or somewhere in california southern california fantastic yep. uh well i'm glad to know that that it's getting out there uh and and it says on your clinic information um, you have another physician or two that works there at the clinic in Chicago as well? Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Colby Orda. He's, he's my good friend uh, and colleague. Um, so Colby and I run Haven. Um, Colby actually moved on to Nashville, Tennessee. As soon as the okay. vaccine mandate was, was released in California, he's like, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. So he went to Nashville. I'm actually moving to Asheville, okay. North Carolina. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's us. We're, uh, we're running the show here at Haven. Um, and it's cool because we, you know, we basically designed our model off of traditional holistic models that we studied, mm -hmm. one of them being Dr. Gonzalez's. So when we, when we work with patients, we always work with them for a four month time period. And we basically, the idea was to create like a, modern sanitarium that's not inpatient it's like an outpatient sanitarium so mm -hmm. you're trying to address all the different um you know deep root causes of illness through um diet of course uh, detoxification doing at-home detoxification practices like colon cleansing and coffee enemas and liver flushing and uh, fasting etc um addressing lifestyle practices like sleep and grounding and daily routines of being in touch with nature, sunlight, water, mm -hmm. et cetera. And then mental, emotional health, uh, addressing stress, mental, emotional, false belief systems, et cetera. So we work with all uh, on all those different pillars with our patients, which is very similar to the way that Gonzalez protocol model is set up. So it, it's kind of, it, it's worked really well for us to mm -hmm. blend those two. Yeah. Um, I see that you're a homeopath, a trained homeopath, which is great because homeopathy is like my, uh, it's like my true love. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I love the homeopathic world. It's like the most powerful medicine that I've come across. So 
Yeah, well, Dr. Nick and I would have conversations about that sometimes on the air. A lot of times off the air, we would chat about various different things. And, and what, you know, as I mentioned over the years, what was so amazing to me when I first encountered Dr. Nick, it was, you know, because I'd read about him and, and his works, what he had done and how he was helping people. And, and so he was like this hero off in the distance. And I met him at a medical conference many years ago. And we immediately connected, hit it off. You know, he was a journalist too, broad, broadcasting. And, uh, but the thing about a man as smart as Dr. Nick Gonzalez, and no one disputes how smart that guy was, that he was always open to learning something new from a patient, from another doctor, from a homeopath, a naturopath, even though he's trained medically and allopathically as well. And I thought, what a living example for all of the healing arts and professions, if you will. That you never hang your hat and say, it's over, it's done, there's nothing more to learn. And that as brilliant as he was, he remained humble in the fact that he didn't know it all and he was perfectly happy and willing to ask, hey, tell me about this. And immediately you could feel him soaking it up and how does it integrate into what he did. And, you know, I aspire to always remain that open to learn, much less to be available to teach when needed as well. That That's this ongoing give and take through all of this. And, and what I've said many times over the last couple of years is I've seen an openness from the allopathic community like I've never seen before because of what they've realized, the limitations and or corruptions of their profession regarding COVID. And now they've suddenly come together at the table with naturopaths and homeopaths and herbalists and chiropractors saying, now we need to share as opposed to being a dominant monopoly alone. And that's unfortunately coming off the heels of a lot of suffering and death, but often the changes that are needed only happen when the old guard dies out or when the new guard looks and says, that's not what I signed on for. That's not what I want to do or be. And so you know, to see you coming up in this realm as a Gonzalez guardian makes my heart happy too. Uh, and that uh, you're reaching a whole new generation of folks that may not have to make the same mistakes that previous generations of doctors or even, you know, let's be honest about the naturopaths that have been uh, swallowed and, you know, up by the allopathic um, flexion report training schools, right? you got naturopaths graduating and injecting vaccination, which is like, isn't that the antithesis of real naturopathy? So there's a lot of controversy in that realm as well, which I'm sure you're aware of. Yes, it's uh, we're at a really interesting time in the naturopathic field because um, most of the naturopathic schools are becoming more and more allopathic. They're basically bending the knee mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, scientific research-based allopathy, mm -hmm. um, and the curriculums are slowly you know losing the tradition i mean there's some schools which you would be maybe shocked to hear they were actually calling to a vote whether they wanted to keep the homeopathic curriculum at the school mm -hmm. because they felt as if homeopathy was this uh, mystical placebo based um like yeah. you know die dead uh medicine which is absolutely insane because homeopathy is like a beautiful representation of the idea of the vital force and, yes. and like, you know, it, built into the philosophy of homeopathy is all of the mm -hmm. major principles of holistic healing. Right. Um, so yeah, we're seeing that happening more and more. And there's actually a group called the naturopathic medical Institute that was started um, in response to what's happening at the schools mm. in order to keep the naturopathic 
tradition alive, the yeah. traditional holistic model. Well, you, you, Alex, you have to get me connected to that group because I'd love to let folks know about them because that is a great concern of mine uh, in dealing with modern naturopathy uh, and the abandonment of the vital force or a vitalistic view of the body. Uh, the whole basis for, you know, the, the body can heal itself. The power of, of, of creation itself is, you know, is a healing power that can be tapped into at any point. And to say that that, well, it's not based on evidence. It's not scientific, whether you lump homeopathy into that or otherwise, it really abandons the whole foundation for naturopathy. I believe when I, when I look back at the, to its origins, I mean, certainly if someone were to appear at a naturopathic medical school today, they might not realize how vitalistic its view was and is in truth yet trying to fit in to be like those special doctors right those exalted monopolistic practice doctors that that is a a dead end emphasis on dead and even the medical doctors that are trained allopathically and medically are waking up in the covid crazy era to finally see that as well so to go that direction is completely uh, denying the reality of what's happening within the allopathic profession as well as many doctors are trying to leave it Yes, the vital force is the center, it's the nucleus of naturopathy. It's what everything is based off of. It's working with the vital force, working with what the body is trying to naturally do. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand that, then you're just going to be randomly doing therapies and like crossing your fingers, hoping that they're going to work, right? And if, if you're doing what we call green allopathy, you're basically just trading drugs for natural Mm -hmm. you know, remedies, um, and still treating symptoms and still treating diseases. And, and in naturopathy, we, we never treat disease, yeah, right? We exactly. always work with the individual. Exactly. Beautifully said, uh, Dr. Alex Orton, man, I appreciate you. It's so good to connect with you. Uh, hopefully I can see at one of these events coming up, or if you're still in the Chicago land area, come mid October, I understand you're trying to escape good on you. Hopefully you make it out before anything untoward happens in Chicago to get to Asheville. Do you have a time frame on that yet? Yeah. In the next couple months. So it'll be soon. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. So we'll have to see. And Nashville is a cool area too. A lot of good holistic things coming uh, down in there for, for uh, uh, the other doc you're working with there. And uh, people can still reach out despite the movement from Chicago to other areas to reach you through havenholistichealth.com. Is that the plan? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, anyone around the country, around the world can um, work with us. So we're treating people all over the country right now. So um, we always have a free consultation with anyone that we work with. You can go to our website. There's a big green button that says schedule free consultation, and we'd love to talk to you and hear about your case and see if we can help you. All right, Alex, look, great to connect with you. Uh, big hugs to you, uh, your fam. And, uh, and, and of course, Mary Beth, if she shout a shout out to her, if she's watching, I love her dearly and uh, anything we can do to help get the word out. We're here for you. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate you. All right, that's Dr. Alex Orton, one of the Gonzalez Guardians, as Superdon says, of the galaxy. And uh, doing great work. Appreciate them. It's always, it does bring a smile to my face genuinely. Anytime we get to talk anything related to Dr. Nick Gonzalez, uh, just, you know, lightens, lifts me up because he's still here present as he has been for a long time on the Robert Scad Bell Show. In fact, I think there's still archives of, I, we had compiled all of the appearances that we still could have access to. And there's a lot of great 
insight of Dr. Nick and what he was all about when we just had our chats on the air. People loved him. And they were like, when's Dr. Nick coming back? And it didn't matter what we were going to talk about. It didn't have to be medical. <laughs> it could be political. It could be religious stuff, Bible stuff, all of it. <clears throat> it was just, that, that was the kind of guy Nick was. You just wanted to, whatever we were chatting about, it was so engaging. And again, I appreciate uh, Dr. Alex there carrying on that tradition and other docs that we, you know, friend Tony Jimenez and others. So thank you for that. Um, Super Don, I appreciate you uh, making making sure we get that through. And all the links are in the show notes, of course, at robertscottbell.com, as you can see right there. Uh, we were talking about jokingly, but not jokingly. There is no such thing as a pesticide deficiency. I have to say that time and time again when I say, why wouldn't you, given the option, eat food that was devoid of toxic poisons? It was like, well, let's see. Do I want a little bit more poison? Do I want a little less? <laughs> or not at all. It's like, Okay, can I have the food without the poison added? Yeah, no, but it costs more. Really? Why, do you have to remove it? No, 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 it's grown so there's not in there. You have to charge more? Well, over the years, Super Don, you've noticed that the emerging demand for organics, if you will, has gotten to the point where you can get organic junk food, for goodness sake. Oh, it's yeah. still junk food, but it, it lacks certain things that are worse about junk food, too. So the idea, of course, is to grow your own. Second to that, get to know your farmer if you can't be your farmer and third to that, then buy the organics over conventionally grown, so to speak, because the pesticide residues are real and they grow over time and accumulate over time. That's why when we talk about um, pest management in organic agriculture, it's not like mm. you have nothing you can do. Uh, I would obviously say let's rehabilitate the soil. So it's stronger. The plants are stronger. They're, they're less vulnerable, but in certain cases, like you're talking about these midges, not midgets, mm -hmm that are outside of your home midgets. There. In, sure in, that we're not in, in southern not, oregon uh, we don't want to get what, show what we don't want to get dinged by facebook for hate speech again right, right? exactly we're show not what talking you about sprayed. midgets it's midges they're little show terrible little all right fine yeah, yeah dude there you know at, people are just tuning in they don't know Okay. Orange guard. I was about to explain what a midge is. Oh well, yeah, I, you're, it's a dangerous territory. So people are going to they're going to reinterpret this and go. All oh, right, fine. Is spraying stuff to get rid of little people? That's I not will what you're say doing. this. I will say this. And Robert, you've had experience with midges before yeah. living in the South. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I I used two, maybe I mean, it was like two or three applications. Yeah. Of the uh, of the orange guard. And I was I was out there last night, and I was looking up at the light. Now, normally, yeah. they'd just be flying all over the place and going in the door and out the door and in your mouth and in your ears and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it after applying it two or three times, it they're they're gone. It's re actually repelling the midges, which is just which is awesome. Yeah, that's a beautiful. And like I said, if you've dealt with midges before. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this is like a, a, a godsend. I mean, really. Because, you know, the alternative to that is using these, these bug sprays, right? Yeah. And I, you get to be, I mean, listen, they're bad for you. They're bad for us as people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I got I got pets, too. Yeah. And, and, and you got little grandkids running in and, and out. And grandkids and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to be careful with this stuff. I love this stuff. Yeah. I do. I love it because not only does it kill the bugs on contact and repel the bugs, but it smells like oranges, you know. I mean, what, how much better can you get than that? So it's like it's like a combination pesticide, mm -hmm. air freshener. Very and nice. I've said this before that if as you're as you're going to put it away under the kitchen sink, if it accidentally falls down and sprays a little bit on your on your your oven, yeah, or your or your stove, <laughs> yeah, it, it works. Yeah, it, you can it clean. Cuts grease really good. Yep. 
So there you yeah, go. You can clean with it. All right. Well, I know we have a question of the day. I don't know what else is going on out there in the world. We can kind of flex on the on the subjects today. I certainly, again, it's kind of it was really inspiring to see a young doctor like that, a naturopath, following on to the good works of Doctor Nick and and others. We need more of that. But uh, like I said, I'm encouraged when we can connect like that. I know is the spirit of real healing lives on. Uh, and, you know, even addressing the controversy of naturopathy being gobbled up by allopathic medicine, too. And he's very keenly aware of it. So hopefully we find out about that naturopathic medicine institute or whatever it was he mentioned. I can do a follow up, maybe talk to somebody from that group as well. I'll have to I'll have to rewind the tape and go back and, and, and get because I can't remember what it, what it was called. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, again, maybe Alex will send us a, a link to that uh, yeah. as well. So should we do a question of the day or what should we do here? Okay. All right. The question of the day, it's in the show notes. It's from Pat, our friend, Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi, guys. Recently, a cavity got away from me that I didn't know I had and chose to have the molar pulled. I have recalcified a cavity before, but this was big and involved the nerve. Now, a couple of weeks later, I find myself with hot, cold sensitivity in the next molar, possibly another cavity that the doctor missed. Well, I don't want to go back again. And the doctor said, use Sensodyne, which has fluoride. We make our own fluoride-free toothpaste. I rub it in with clove oil, oregano oil, swish, and with silver and copper till it ran out. Plus, I oil pull. I use xylitol lozenges at night to keep the mouth moist. Sadly, still sensitive, but not getting worse, as far as I can tell. So, do you have any other protocols I can try? The thing I am doing, I only do once a day. Should I do more often? Thank you so much. Love you guys, Pat. So this reminds me, Super Don, of my experience. You know, recently I talked about the um, uh, the wisdom tooth I had in the bottom lower quadrant mm-hmm. that was so tight against my cheek. I mean, I, I've had it, obviously, since it came in as a teenager, and it was always a battle of keeping that area clean because it was so tightly packed, right, the tooth, that I couldn't always do it. And, I, you know, I noticed that, over time, it was, I try, I try, and finally, over the, the last year, remember, now I think it was right before the Truth About Cancer live event last year, where suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, it's raw down to the nerve, and uh, now I can't hold it off anymore. Now, what was I doing? A lot of the things that Pat said that I was doing, especially the silver, and swishing and swirling the silver hydrosol over the tooth, the, it really bought me maybe even years, but to Pat's question, it was more than once a day, especially when you're sensitive and feeling it, to swish and swirl or hold it over that area or tooth more frequently is important. Once a day is often not enough. And if there is a genuine cavity, if you can work on regenerating the integrity of the tooth that to some degrees you said you have done, uh, maybe some of you guys and gals out there have done this, made your own or found a particular toothpaste or tooth powder that facilitates that. Um, I was thinking about Dr. Tom Loken's guard out of Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee area. I just saw him when I was out there. Uh, he's got a really good formulation. Uh, and there are others out there that have done that and established ways to restore integrity to the tooth. Mine at the point of decades later was too far gone. And I just, you, you, you're never done until you quit. And I had to quit at that point. I'm like, doc, you got to take this thing out. I'm not doing a root canal. You're not doing that. No, we're just taking it out. And that was fine. Uh, it wasn't fun, but I got there. Now, now all's good. Now the tooth next to it, thankfully is not sensitive to hot and cold. Although in the healing process, I wondered, you know, as I was having sensations, the nerves were firing in different ways. What's going on? Is the other tooth okay? But it turns out it's fine. And so in your case, I don't know if those are phantom type 
uh, scenarios that it's not the tooth related, but nerve related from the extraction or something else. Make sure you don't have a cavitation. Of course, if you go to a holistically inclined IAMT type dentist, they will utilize every technique in the, in the world for you. So you don't develop a cavitation. Uh, you know, this gap in this area where it, it, it harms or damages nerves constantly. And like I said, my wife is a poster child, if you will, for that many years ago, now 10 years ago, uh, where she had a dental extraction and it didn't care for it well enough and it didn't heal well enough. And she has the trigeminal neuralgia for all those years. And he, although improvement over time has, has happened, uh, it's not fully remediated. And we constantly, we continue to work and look to deal with it, not just in management of her pain, which we've talked about openly, I have on this show, uh, but also the healing overall to break the cycle of constant recurrence. And that's something that goes into patterns of, you know, emotional experiences, histories, and other things that we also acknowledge and talk about here that can manifest physically, you know, beliefs about things due to any number of traumatic experiences as a child, or if you believe in generations of trauma or previous lifetimes, however you perceive it, that that can manifest now in the physical body today. So uh, I would say there are certainly homeopathic remedies. I always talk about abscesses. One of my favorite, you know it, hepersulfur calcarium, H-E-P-A-R, sulfur. Uh, it's not a sulfur drug. So if you're allergic to sulfur drugs, it's not the same thing as a homeopathic remedy, hepersul. Uh, also, um, there are things if, if the teeth are breaking down really badly. Now, this could be due to fluorosis. I'm not saying in Pat's case, she would know better than to allow fluoride water into her system. As she says, she's formulated her own toothpaste without fluoride. Uh, but that's one way that it models and weakens the teeth if there's fluoride in the water supply or, or other things that you're using. Uh, and the modeling of the teeth, the, even the worst of the teeth when it's decaying and breaking down. That homeopathic remedy, if I remember correctly, indicated is creosotum, creosotum, K-R-E-O-S-O-T-U-M, creosotum, like creosote. If you ever seen, uh, it looks like that. The teeth look almost like that. They're black and they're really breaking down like the creosote that builds up in a, in a wood stove, if you've ever seen that. But creosotum is a homeopathic remedy that can be done. There are others to address dental issues like that. And, and Pat's doing a lot of good stuff. I would say frequency is more the issue. And if you don't want to do all of those things frequently, even if it's just the silver hydrosol, you know, the sovereign silver or the Argent 23, a number of times throughout the day, you'll find that you can navigate it. And if it's just buying time, it, bu it buys a lot of time for people that they're not in a circumstance, for instance, to afford the dental extraction or intervention of any kind. That silver hydrosol has bought people time so they can function safely along the way until they can, you know, manage to, you know, dental work can be very expensive when it's not covered by the insurance schemes, the third party payers. And often when it's holistically focused, they don't cover it, right? Removing dental amalgams that are mercury, for instance, things like that, or cavitations, et cetera, or root canals. The damage that's done by dentistry is horrible, uh, but find the right dentist, pray on it as well as investigate. IAOMT is a good group that you can know they've been trained at least properly. And there are others out there. So, Pat, thank you for that question. If you want to follow up on any of that or send more information, please do. Be happy to go further with you on that to see what I can do to help you. For those of you who want to learn more about clinical homeopathy, uh, if you're new to the show, I've done a, a, a lecture, an hour-long lecture on demand for Trinity School of Natural Health that gives an intro to the clinical branch based on the French approach of drainage or drainage, focusing on the detoxification pathways of the body, Clinical Homeopathy 101 Plus. You just click on that. It'll take you right to the lectures on demand that you can do. And there are other 
so many other wonderful courses at Trinity School of Natural Health. And they go more into the traditional naturopathy, not uh, medical or allopathic naturopathy like uh, Dr. Alex. Again, they're both valid. It's just, uh, you know, some like to look at things as only our way. My way is the only way. No, there are so many ways to get there. And you may be drawn into homeopathy, naturopathy, various things, iridology, herbalism, any number of things. And trinityschool.org is a wonderful place to learn about those courses that you can take. They start up every month, new coursework, and uh, a wide variety of options from health coach on to other levels and layers of discussion and, and, and learning. And, and practical, too. We featured a lot of folks that are graduates of Trinity School that have done and are doing great work out there in the world, actually hanging a shingle, so to speak, and seeing people and helping them. Not treating disease, because in real naturopathy, you don't, and that Dr. Alex knows that. You help the individual, the person, to overcome source. What is going on? Where are these things started from? And make those corrections and watch the body, the miracle of life itself, heal itself at that point. Give the body what it needs. Remove from it that which it doesn't and watch the miracles occur. Body, mind, and spirit. Trinityschool.org. All right, Super D, what's going on in the chat room or anywhere else we got going on here? I'm having a good time. The show has been rather interesting. Yeah, having uh, Joe Flynn on in hour one and Dr. Alex Orton in hour two here. And let me just check the chat room for you. I know we're still banned on Facebook for going live. We don't know why, honestly. Um, I see. <laughs> and they I, won't talk to me. They, no, they, they won't. They, they won't, I, they I, won't. I, I asked. Yeah. Pat says, the the Pat says the oregano oil really burns. Yeah, I, I'm not saying increase the oregano oil. Oregano oil is very harsh. It has a lot of benefits. Not denying that. But the silver has a lot of crossover benefits without the burn. So I've dealt with a lot of the two stuff without necessarily resorting to oregano. And I'm not saying don't, but if it's really bothersome, as it was for me too, uh, more of the silver. And clove oil can be done too, but the silver is really wonderful. Yeah. No, I saw. I understood, Pat. It burns. Yeah, I know. It's not burrs. It burns. I could see that. So let's right. see. What else? <clears throat> let's see. How about... Oh, Sherry Neal is in the audience. She reminds us that you can take the missing link that we get from Jonathan at ChooseToBeHealthy.com. Remember the code RSB5 to get a discount. Mm -hmm. You can take that min those minerals out, the, the missing link, out of the little capsule and just put it out and pack the tooth with it on a regular basis. And, I, you know, if you could do that one, two, or even three times a day, that can also facilitate remineralization. That's a good point, uh, Sherry. Thank you for bringing that up. And I think Sherry was featured on – was she featured on – who was on her show on Sunday? You did an encore, bro. Yeah, yeah, Sherry Neal. Yeah, she uh, was there. Yeah. yeah, that was a great yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, that was from the conference, the, the event that you guys were at. Super D, was, uh, you're being asked where do you get the Orange Guard from? We got it direct from uh, Orange Guard. So yeah. if you go to OrangeGuard.com, but you can um, find it all over the place. Yeah, I've seen them in Home yeah. Depots and Lowe's for all of them. Yeah, I mean, you can order it online. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of ways you can do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. All right, so let's uh, let's jump over to the poll question of the day real quick. Okay, went out this morning in the newsletter, mm -hmm. um, and the reason maybe I'll yeah. maybe I'll start with this here. The reason why we're even talking about this is if you look at the headlines right now, mm -hmm. right? You have got Hillary Clinton's back in the news. Yay! Not that I want you to, but yeah, go full screen so hip, we can hip, see hooray. that. The yeah. whispers of Hillary Clinton twenty four. 24 have started really who's whispering for hillary clinton suddenly honestly? she just crawled out from underneath a rock somewhere and don't now you she's think back this is an or orchestrated pr well move? let's look not. at the headlines here hillary clinton denounces overturning a roe versus wade women are gonna die uh-huh 
Clarence Thomas has always been a person of grievance, she says. Uh, she's angry and resentful. Uh, we need more champions in Congress. Hillary Clinton endorses somebody running for the midterms, apparently. Yeah, well, because if- she's a eugenicist racist. She supports <laughs> Margaret Sanger and, and parent Planned Parenthood. Because uh, that's what we want more the, of, right? The, the, women all, the women are going to die. Yeah. Um, she uh, warns the Democrats that the trans and defund planks are 2024 losers. So now she's giving advice on 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it prompted the question. Actually, it was the CNN article that uh, they got my attention. The whispers of Hillary Clinton 2024 have started. Apparently, there are a number of pundits that are saying, hey, what would you think? About Do you Hillary see the sincerity in the again. picture there? That smile of Hillary? So doesn't, it's, doesn't, uh, yeah. Isn't it repugnant? I mean, you just know the spirit of that woman. It, it uh, is. And you listen, long. everybody knows her really, really well from what yeah. happened in 2016, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the theory that's going on is that the people are saying that with the uh, Roe versus Wade decision that happened, that mm-hmm. this may be something that she may be able to rally some people around mm-hmm. and take a run again. So I put just... Why not? Let's see what people think. Today's poll, whispers of Hillary Clinton running in 2024 have started. Do you think she could win? Yeah. You had three options. Yes, no, and Robert Scott Bell. I mean, not no, sure. No. I think she, if she ran against The Rock, she would lose. That's what I think. Well, you know what? I, I think The Rock could win against a lot of people, to be honest with you. But people <laughs> yeah, would be point. doing that for, you know, for uh, celebrity reasons. But anyway, right, yeah. uh, results that came in as of about uh, 20 minutes ago. Overwhelmingly, people are saying no. 85.7% saying no, she could not win. Mm-hmm. Uh, 5%, 10 people said yes, that she could win. And 9% saying not sure. I think this is an interesting question. Here's, you know, look, here's the thing. I've seen a number of, as you have, mm-hmm. elections in our lifetime. And I, I I would never say never on a situation like that. It would all depend on A the 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 pulse of the of the public at the time when that's gone. Who knows? Two years from now it's a long time. A lot of things can happen. B, who would she be running against? You you mentioned the rock. Although I don't know that the Rock would run as a Republican. Well, I wasn't it. thinking of that that guy. I was thinking of a literal Rock. That's all. I was oh, yeah. you mean a Rock, not a rock, the not Rock. The yeah, just I a, thought you a said rock. the Rock. But anyway, I, no, I, he has mentioned that he uh, has has toyed with the idea of running for president. No, and maybe trying to pull off, you know, like a like a Jesse Ventura type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a headline today. How about this? Howard Stern says he wants to run for president. You know how I feel about Howard nowadays. <laughs> but he, anyway, he, he lost I, all of his look, Do I think it's impossible man. that, that yeah. Hillary Clinton can win? No, I don't think it's impossible. It just depends. You never know what's well, going to happen between now and then. If, if the election happened today, mm-hmm. would she win? No, I don't think so. But how about the, uh, the election as we talked about with, uh, with Joe Flynn today? Yeah. You know, the, the selection rather than the election. The, it, the political machinery and the election machinery is so corrupt that, as I said, my I get concern, it, but you know what? That's not a majority of people that would fall into that camp, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's an unfortunate thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's is the corruption there? I think it is. On what level? I don't really know. But yeah. the majority of people are not up in arms about election results. In fact, you even mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You even can t- try and say anything about what happened in uh, 2020. And for the most part, you're 
Well, in legacy media, yes, that's true. Even Fox News, they don't want you to mention yeah, that. That's much what most at all. people are watching. So, you know, yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, yeah. that's again part of the programming. That's why the illusion still stands because not enough people are watching the Robert Scott Bell show or listening to us here. So, uh, Stephen says, I don't think Hillary Clinton could win, but she could be installed like Biden was. See, that's a perspective when you leave the legacy media that I think more people have than don't. They yeah. look and go, it makes no freaking sense at all that Biden got more votes than Obama. You know, Obama at least had a groundswell of excitement and, gen- I mean, you know, a genuine, like, whatever. Say what you will about Obama. He actually it was anybody, got anybody, up. Yeah, anybody yeah. but Trump is what... Right, what, but I don't uh, think that yeah. was as much as, as, as they would say to say that elicited 80 million or whatever. I just, it, to me, that doesn't add up. Not at all. And so... Uh, I, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. So uh, let's see. Did you okay. see Leslie found a, a great place that they're going to be moving? They closed on the ho- the new home. Yeah, in I heard about it. You, you mentioned Parker. it yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So we were going to do like a, a family union reunion for the Robert Scott Bell show. First time ever in Missouri this year, but they had to switch properties. But it's going to be great. And as soon as we know more, we'll we'll have a lot more time to plan to get together and have a wonderful healing festival, as they were calling it, Health Stock. So that looks like it might be a summer away uh, in the meantime. Right. But how's your, how's your growing out there? I, I, I sent you a couple of pictures. I've been a bit, you talk about frustrated. I'm like, come on, tomatoes. I don't even eat you. My wife is the tomato person. But we planted, uh, you know, tomatoes, and it's just been slow, slow, slow. It's finally been flowering. But I'm like, where, are the bees even finding it? They're finding all our other flowers. We get, Oh, look, there they are. Ta-da. Little tomatoes starting to grow finally. I was there just very excited about that. Yeah. My uh, my lettuce, I'm about ready to chop it all off because I've got like enough to feed the neighborhood now. Yeah, um, and so I'm I'm close to doing that. And uh, the zucchini are starting to do something now, and okay. they're growing. And yep. the beets uh, just didn't happen. I don't know why. Hmm. Um, I just planted the other day some radishes. Yeah, um, and there, there's some kind of like long ones. I can't remember what they're called. But uh, planted some of those. The tomato plants, the ones that froze, are coming back to life. Yeah, I don't know. Then. Yeah, I don't know whether, but they're really, they really are taking off. So um, they'll flower eventually. Yeah, they'll eventually. Be okay. yeah. Hopefully, we'll get, get something before the season's over. Mm-hmm. Um, the onions are like going nuts. Good. The chives actually have some flowers on them. Oh, cool. Which I didn't know that I didn't know that's what chimes do, but in any case, so yeah, it's 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 working, it's happening. So I'll take some more pictures uh, here in the next day or two, so I can show you. Oh, that's great! And speaking of pictures, yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of pictures, yeah. I just got to show. I had a memory today on my Facebook, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And this is from 2009, mm-hmm. and this is back in the day. Yeah, and what a we memory. Were, we were still on over at Talk Radio Network, which was yeah. the syndicator that I worked at, and this is how I got connected with Robert. So this was four years uh, into me doing the Robert Scott Bell Show. We had moved from a very small studio mm-hmm. to the big studio. This was the main studio at TRN. This is the same studio that Michael Savage uh, did his show out of. Yep. And, yeah, that's 13 years ago. Wow, That's me sitting in the in the in the chair in the control room there, and it's just the baby, uh, yeah, kind of cool. That is awesome. Yeah, uh, good yeah. memories overall. Yeah, they worked you to the bone and beyond. I know. Well, I look. I was responsible. I mean, look, 
I could have been like most of the people that worked there and just said, heck punch no, in, I'm, just, out, I'm just doing yeah. what I'm going to do. But I was overly enthusiastic to. Yeah, something else was driving you, my friend, and I'm yeah. glad of it. I'm grateful so, for it. Anyway, All right, Aaron's asking good. a question. What do you think of organ meats? Um, yeah, I mean, that's where you get a lot of the minerals. We used to. Is that where a bunch of people that play organ, play the organ, get together and have like a. The, or, that's an or organ meat. That's right. Is that an organ meat? The organan meetup group. No, I was eating liver. As I said, that's where you want you get your dietary copper from, from grass-fed or, you know, actual animals that eat real food. Uh, what about gluten? I, I think gluten is something that is, is problematic in terms of the hybridized wheat where it's so excessive that our bodies aren't so easily meant to handle it. But it's also, again, what's in the gluten. How is that grown? How is that grain grown with, with gluten? Are there, uh, you know, glyphosate residues, Roundup Ready type, type stuff? So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a couple of things to consider there. Um, but as we've said about gluten in its normal uh, non-hybridized way, when we talk about heirloom varieties going to, uh, for those that can't eat wheat, organic even here in America, they get an heirloom variety out of Italy. And they're like, whoa, I ate a pizza. And I didn't, I, I'm okay. I ate some pasta. I'm okay. So it tells me it's not all about the gluten. But what about the digestive system that's corrupt as well to consider in that regard? Leslie put some good pictures in the uh, chat room there. Is this the new property? You're, you've already got things you're, you're transporting there. Well, look at them. They, they are so fast. When they get moving, they just move. Looking at that. Looks good. Micro Garden DJ Katie's going crazy. Yeah, look at the corn growing. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Thank you for sharing. I, I wish we could show it on screen, but that, that's for another time. we got to take a break here. If you'd like to hang out with us a little bit longer, I know we got a pip-pip cheerio for UKHealthRadio.com people. <laughs> they, hate, they, they love it when I say that. But thank you all for being here as well. We appreciate you. Health, Freedom, Healing, Liberty. It's on tap two hours a day, six days a week, right here at robertscottbell.com slash listen live chat room. Sign up for email alerts. Send to RSB2288. Text RSB to 22828. Sign up for alerts, and we'll be back in 60 seconds for those that want to hang out with us or instantly for those that are listening to the podcast for the bonus round because the power to heal is yours. 